and fewer employers are offering pensions these days. If you own a business, chances are you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You want to keep operating costs low, but you also want to help your employees. At JenniferLangFinancialServices.com, we've got you covered. With life insurance-backed options that can provide more benefits than a traditional 401k, we will work with you to find the best plan to fit your retirement needs. Visit us online at JenniferLangFinancialServices.com. Protect your retirement from potential market downturns and risk. We offer annuities, 401k rollovers, and no market risk retirement plan. Visit us today, JenniferLangFinancialServices.com. Welcome to Independent Wealth Planner Strategies with Jennifer Lang, helping pre-retirees and retirees build, preserve, and protect their financial assets in today's volatile market. Welcome to today's webinar. I'm Mike Payne and your host for today is Jennifer Lang. Jennifer is an author, a speaker, and a licensed financial services professional who found her love for financial literacy the hard way. Her career goals were on track as she tackled the hustle and bustle of working in New York City as a corporate manager. That is, until life threw her a curveball that would change her direction. Her mother became ill and Jennifer only had one choice. She left New York and became her mother's full-time caregiver. It was during this 10-year period that Jennifer learned firsthand the importance of how life insurance protects an individual and a family while they are alive, as well as how having long-term care benefits in place can empower family members and relieve burdens. She found a new passion and purpose to help the underserved middle class protect against the emotional, physical, and financial stresses of caring for their loved ones. Currently, she works with businesses and families in all 50 states to acquire business loans, life insurance, and annuities. She is contracted through One Resource Group, and you can contact her through her website, JenniferLangFinancialServices.com. So, without further ado, Jennifer, take it away. Thanks, Mike. I'd like to welcome and thank everyone for attending today. My name's Jennifer Lang and this webinar is being recorded and will be available for rebroadcast later on. So please submit all questions via our website, jenniferlangfinancialservices.com. The chat is open, so tell me your name and where you're from, and I'll get to questions as time allows. I see some names in the chat box already. Hi, Charles from Texas. Good to see you. Maria from Oklahoma. Good to see you too. I see Crystal from Michigan. Awesome. Well, glad you made it. Thank all of you for attending. Today's webinar is entitled, What the Secure Act Means to You, Your Taxes, and Your Retirement Accounts. And as Mike mentioned, a person can either learn things the easy way or they can learn things the hard way. And in my case, when my mom got sick, I learned the hard way. 
I, like most people, thought that life insurance was just something you had in order to pay for a funeral. I didn't know that it was such a powerful wealth accumulation and protection vehicle. So I do these webinars and I speak to businesses and organizations because I want to help as many people as I can reach their financial hopes and dreams and avoid that financial learning curve that I went through. So let's jump in. After a nearly unanimous passage in the U.S. House of Representatives, the SECURE Act, which stands for Setting Up Every Community for Retirement Enhancement Act, has become law. The legislation was attached to a bipartisan spending bill with the goal of avoiding another government shutdown. President Trump signed the SECURE Act into law on December 20, 2019 with many provisions having gone into effect on January 1st, 2020. It will have big implications for retirement and taxes. As a result, retirees and working age retirement savers can start seeing major changes as early as 2020. All of that being said, the SECURE Act brings the most sweeping changes to the U.S. retirement system in a decade. And because of that, there is bound to be some confusion about what the act actually does and how it might affect people's own retirement standard of living. So let's go over what's in the new law and then we'll look at some strategies to help shield the tax burden of RMDs. The most significant part of the year-end spending bill was the inclusion of the SECURE Act, which makes significant changes to retirement savings law. There are a number of steps you should be thinking about right now to make sure you understand the new rules and are taking the best advantage of the savings opportunities that are available. What we want to do today is give pre-retirees and retirees five concrete actions that you can take now that this new law is in place. And this new law has implications for all pre-retirees. So I appreciate the opportunity to share some insights. Before we get too far, let me say one thing right up front. The new law has been on the books for just a few weeks. There is a lot we are still working through. And as with any law, there are gray areas and specific situations that probably weren't anticipated when Congress drafted the bill. The IRS, the Treasury Department, and the Labor Department, all of which have jurisdiction over different parts of the retirement savings universe, will need to issue rules and guidance that interpret and explain parts of the new law that aren't clear. And that process will take many months. So our discussion of the, of the SECURE Act today is based on our current understanding of the new law. Let's start with a little background information. The provisions we will focus on apply to IRAs and certain defined contribution plans such as 401ks. While these are pro-tax provisions in the SECURE Act, it's important to remember that the SECURE Act is a revenue-raising provision enacted as a part of a much larger appropriations bill. 
and that bill is the Further Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2020. So, beneficiaries inheriting IRAs and qualified plans affected by this act are largely losing a massive income tax deferral opportunity that existed under prior law, and Congress is raising tax revenue by forcing beneficiaries to liquidate those plans much more rapidly than prior law would have allowed. So, let's begin with a significant change to required minimum distributions, commonly known as RMDs. First, let's get everyone on the same page by just going over what an RMD is. For traditional IRAs, 401ks at companies where you are no longer working, and most other retirement accounts, account owners are required to distribute a minimum amount from the account each year. The RMD amount is based off your age, the account value at the end of the previous year, and the life expectancy tables published by the IRS. These RMD amounts start off relatively small. Under the current rules, your first few RMDs are less than 4% of the account value, but they escalate as you get older, getting closer to 7% of the account value by age 85 and close to 9% by age 90. This is important because distributions from traditional retirement plans are taxed as ordinary income. So as the size of your distributions increase, your tax burden may as well. Under the previous rules, before the SECURE Act, you are required to begin taking RMDs for the tax year of the year you turned 70 and a half. Under the new law, you do not have to take distributions until the year you turn 72. Yay! <laughs> the new rule gives more time for your retirement savings to grow before you need to begin drawing it down. This is really important. So let's say you turned 70 and a half in 2019. You are still required to take an RMD for 2019. You have until April 1st to take that first RMD. And then remember, you must still take your 2020 RMD. Got it? Now, let's look at another example. Let's say you're a married couple and the wife turned 70 and a half in November, and the husband turns 70 and a half in March 2020. Individually, they would be under different rules. The wife would be under the old rules, being that she turned 70 and a half in November 2019. There is a provision that remains in place that gives you until April 1st of the following year to take your RMD for the first year that you were required to. So if you turned 70 and a half in 2019 and you did not take an RMD, you still have time to do so. If you have any questions at all about your situation, 
be sure to contact a financial professional for guidance. It's important to know which set of rules you fall under and plan accordingly. If you don't need the funds from your IRA and you take the distribution earlier than required, you are giving up time for those assets to potentially grow tax deferred and paying taxes on that distribution early. An even bigger issue, though, is misunderstanding the rules you fall under and not taking a required minimum distribution as the IRS imposes a 50% penalty on the amount that is not taken when required. This is an important step for all retirees. Have a plan for your RMDs. Whether you are already 70 and a half, turning 70 and a half in 2020, or are a few years out still, Understanding the rules that apply to you and the opportunities the new law offers will help you make the most out of your RMDs. Now, so far we've been talking about distributions from retirement accounts, but there is also an important change to the rule regarding contributions. Each year, the IRS decides whether or not to increase the maximum amount that individuals can contribute to various retirement plans. While the SECURE Act didn't make any changes to the contribution limits, it did make a change around contribution age. Under the previous law, you could no longer make contributions to a traditional IRA beginning in the year that you turned 70 and a half. The SECURE Act removed that restriction, allowing anybody who has earned income to continue contributing to a traditional IRA beyond 70 and a half. So the law says I can continue contributing to an IRA after age 70 and a half as long as I'm still working. And since people are working longer and living longer, that makes sense. So here's a good question. What about once you're taking distributions? Does it make sense for someone to contribute to an IRA? at the same time as they are required to be withdrawing money from that same IRA? Well, it can feel a little counterintuitive to continue contributing to a traditional IRA while you are also required to take out RMDs. But keep in mind that in the early years of RMDs, your distributions are less than 4% of the total account. So the amount you add could replenish what you took out and it will benefit from tax deferred growth. And remember that both under the previous law and the new law, as long as you are still earning income, you are allowed to make contributions to your employer's 401k plans, Roth IRAs, and other retirement plans after the age of 70 and a half with some caveats. The smart step here is to discuss your options for continuing to save. Traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, whatever it might be, 
a financial professional can help you understand which approach makes the most sense for your particular situation. There is a big change in the new law that will have a significant effect on people who inherit a retirement account, and that may cause some people to rethink their estate plans. So let's look at what has changed. While a smaller group of retirees may have more immediate interest in the change of the RMD age, all retirees could see a significant change to their estate plan. Anyone planning to leave an IRA to an heir needs to understand the impact of the new law. One of the most significant changes is to how long an heir can stretch out distributions from the IRA. Under the previous law, anyone inheriting an IRA other than spouses had to take annual required minimum distributions once they inherited the account, but the amount of those distributions was based on the inheritor's age. That meant that the heir could spread out the withdrawals from the inherited account over his or her lifetime. Now, under the new law, heirs will be required to completely distribute the retirement account by the end of the 10th year after the account holder's death. Well, this shortened timetable reduces the tax-deferred benefit of the inherited IRA significantly, and it could cause a large tax consequence given the shorter window that these taxable distributions must occur in. This new rule only affects people who inherit a retirement account in 2020 or after. So if you inherited an account before 2020, the new rules don't apply to that account. So what does this 10-year rule mean for you? Well, the stretch IRA, or rather the stretch IRA as we knew it, is dead. Your beneficiaries may receive funds much more rapidly than you originally intended under prior law. So for example, let's say you wanted to make your grandchild your beneficiary and you were counting on getting 60 or 70 years as a stretch for that grandchild as the ultimate beneficiary. Now you're looking at those same funds being passed and paid out over 10 years under the 10-year rule. This causes major planning issues for you and the beneficiary. You may not want that grandchild to receive funds that rapidly. The grandchild may have spendthrift issues, and so forcing out wealth this quickly can cause a lot of problems, or at least make the plan that you had in mind no longer appropriate for that grandchild or beneficiary. It dramatically reduces the beneficiary's opportunities for income tax deferral as it existed under prior law. And the beneficiary is now potentially facing large income tax bills much sooner than they would have had to pay, and they could possibly be pushed into a higher income tax bracket. Remember, this is a revenue-raising provision. The House Ways and Means Committee was really focused on retirement accounts being for the benefit of the participant 
and the participant spouse. And as we look down to the next generation, they felt no such obligation to protect those accounts from income taxation over a longer period of time. So with these changes in law, our legacy planning conversations about IRA and qualified plans will have to change. And there are also some important exceptions to the new rule. There are different rules for what are called eligible designated beneficiaries. The most common among that group are spouses. Just as it was prior to the SECURE Act, spouses can inherit the IRA and take RMDs on the schedule based on their age. Spouses also continue to have the option to roll over the inherited funds into their own IRA which would mean any RMDs are on their own timetable, just as if these funds were always part of their own IRA. The other types of eligible beneficiaries that can still inherit the IRA and take RMDs based on their own age are those that are disabled, chronically ill, individuals that are not more than 10 years younger than the decedent, and minor children of the original retirement account holder with one important caveat. Minor children get to take RMDs based on their age and as minors those RMDs will be a very small percentage of the account. However, once that child reaches the age of majority, the new 10-year rule kicks in where they will not have a set annual RMD during that 10-year period, but the, the entire account must be distributed by the end of the 10th year after they reach the age of majority. Now, another important note here. The rule not only applies to the minor children of the account holder, so if, say, a grandparent left the account to a grandchild, they would immediately be subject to that 10-year window. One of the other exceptions is the beneficiary that is not more than 10 years younger than the decedent. Now, that opens up some additional considerations for estate planning. Let's look at an example. Let's say that a retiree, and let's use Dan for an example, and let's say that Dan has a large estate. And let's say that Dan is 55 years old, he's unmarried, has no kids, but he has a brother and two nephews through that brother, and he wants to leave some of his assets to his brother and the rest directly to his nephews should he pass away. Well, if Dan's brother is 50 and his nephews are 25, and Dan names his nephews as the beneficiaries of his IRA, since they are not his children, and since they are not minors, those nephews would be subject to the 10-year rule to distribute the IRA assets. Now, 
if Dan instead left his retirement accounts to his brother, who is only five years younger than Dan, remember his brother is 50, well then Dan's brother would be able to spread those assets out over his entire lifetime. The RMDs would be smaller because they are based on his age of 50 and this could significantly increase the tax deferred growth benefit of the account and possibly reduce the tax burden. And ultimately, this could create a lot more wealth for the proper inheritor of the IRA. Now, this is an example of where the new law makes it even more important to decide how to name beneficiaries for after-tax assets versus retirement account. Bottom line, a big next step with the passage of this act is to review your beneficiaries and speak with your financial professional and estate planning attorney about how it impacts your estate planning. Now, for those who have trusts and have their trusts named as the beneficiary of the IRA, what might you need to do with these new changes in mind? Reviewing your trust is always important, but even more so with this new law. The IRS is still working to finalize their guidance, so we don't have definitive information, but one thing that we do know is there are definitely changes to how IRAs are treated. So, if you have a trust as the beneficiary of your IRA, be sure to talk with an estate planning attorney and to ensure that your current trust structure and estate plan actually meet what you intended for your heirs. Individuals with large accounts that they hope to leave to a child or a grandchild, either directly or through a trust, might want to look at whether a Roth conversion makes sense. If you are concerned about the tax consequences of a shorter timetable for distribution to heirs, you might want to consider a Roth conversion. Let's say, for example, a husband and wife with a large traditional IRA account intend to leave all of their assets to their children, who are each high income earners in high tax brackets. Well, if that couple is in a much lower tax bracket now, they could do partial conversions of their IRAs to Roth IRAs each year, keeping the amount of taxes they must pay on those distributions relatively low and turning them into Roth assets that will not have any ordinary income tax implications on their beneficiaries when they take distributions. Now again, this is a great reason to talk to your financial professional to see if a strategy on Roth conversions is a step that makes sense for you to pursue. So, we've been focusing on the people passing these funds on, but now let's flip the script around. If I expect to be inheriting retirement assets sometime in the future, what should I be thinking about? Depending on my age, I could have had 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years left to distribute that account. Now, I've got just 10. So, how does that change my thinking? 
the major consideration of the new 10-year period to distribute retirement accounts is that all of the funds need to be out of the account by the end of the 10-year period. But there are no rules that say you have to take any distributions up until the very end. So technically, you could spread them out any way you want over 10 years or you could wait until the very last day and take the entire amount in one lump sum. It's entirely up to you. The key thing to think about is how it will affect your tax burden. Let's say, for example, that we look at a guy named Paul and Paul is 58 years old. Paul has a high paying job and he's at a high effective tax rate and he intends to retire in five years at age 63. Go Paul! Now, Paul's mother passes away and leaves him a traditional IRA valued at $500,000. If Paul decided to take distributions equally over that 10-year period, it would create a significant tax consequence in the first five years as the ordinary income from those distributions would be added to his income from work. Paul could instead choose to take no distributions from the IRA until the year following his retirement. The account will have more time to grow tax deferred and when he did begin to take distributions, he could spread them out over the last five years of that 10-year period because he now only has five years to spread out the distributions, they're going to be higher, but they could be taxed at a lower effective rate. Since by this time he's retired, the distributions are not added on top of the income that he had received from his job. Bottom line, Talk to your financial professional anytime you have a big change in your financial or life situation and receiving an inheritance is certainly one of those times. So to sum up, there are a number of steps that pre-retirees and retirees can and should take now. First, when it comes to RMDs, you need to have a plan for taking those distributions. If you are over age 70 now, make sure you review and confirm your RMD obligations to understand whether you are under the old law or the new law. And if you are under 70, now is the time to consider how RMDs will factor into your financial plan in the future. Second, if you're over 70 and a half and still working, you can now contribute to a traditional IRA, but you should consider whether doing so makes sense. Third, everyone should review their retirement account beneficiaries and make any necessary adjustments. Fourth, if you have a trust, review it and make sure that your IRAs are going to be distributed as you intended. And fifth, consider if a Roth conversion might be right for you to lessen the overall tax burden in certain situations. As you consider each of these steps, 
probably the most important thing to do is talk to a financial professional. Everyone's situation is different and a consultation with a professional is critical to ensure you're complying with the new law and benefiting from it as much as possible. Okay? Before we leave the topic of the SECURE Act, I want to mention a couple of other implications of the new law. One thing that retirement plan participants will have in the future is something called lifetime income disclosure. And this will be a kind of progress report that will illustrate how your current savings would translate into a monthly income in retirement. The goal is to make savers more aware of how they are progressing towards a secure retirement. And the hope is that younger workers will be inspired to start saving earlier. The law directs the Department of Labor to develop rules and regulations for how this lifetime income disclosure will work, including developing a model disclosure. And that's a regulatory process that will take a while, so it could be a couple of years before you start seeing this information on annual statements. There are also several provisions designed to make it easier for small businesses to offer a retirement savings opportunity to their employees. One way to do that is by allowing unrelated small businesses to band together to offer a plan by sharing the costs and risks. The new law removes some regulatory barriers to make that easier, and the result should be more small businesses offering a retirement savings option to their employees. 47.5% of U.S. workers are employed by small businesses, so this change could go a long way to helping more people build a secure retirement. The bill also increases the available tax credits for small businesses that start up a plan and makes available a new tax credit for small businesses that adopt auto-enrollment which means that employees are automatically enrolled in the plan when they are eligible, rather than being required to enroll themselves. In addition, the new law makes long-term, part-time employees eligible for their employer's 401k plan. Any employee who is over 21 and has worked at least 500 hours in three consecutive years will be eligible. Yay! The bottom line is that there are a lot of changes coming in this new law. And as I said earlier, make sure you talk to a financial professional about how all of these changes apply to your specific situation. The SECURE Act would also give more choices for lifetime retirement income inside 401k plans to plan participants. Currently, very few 401k plans offer any annuity selections at all for lifetime income. New provisions within the SECURE Act would help reduce the barriers to including annuities in plans. And as a result, 401k plans can offer mature age and retirement age employees more choices for maximizing their lifetime income. In turn, this can help people relieve some of the strain on their portfolios by generating sustainable retirement income. The ability to add annuities within your 401k 
and provide a guaranteed retirement income is where we're going to shift our focus and look at how we can shield up to 25% of your qualified money from RMDs until age 85. So let's start by taking a look at the new 2020 Qualifying Longevity Annuity Contract Limits. Okay, and we call those QLACs, so Qualifying Longevity Annuity Contracts. So, what in the world is a QLAC? <laughs> a QLAC is a special type of deferred income annuity. Starting in 2014, the IRS allowed individuals to buy QLACs with qualified or pre-tax money from an existing 401k or IRA. Not every annuity is a qualifying longevity annuity contract, and not every deferred or longevity annuity is a QLAC either. So to satisfy the IRS's qualifying longevity annuity contract requirements, the product must be simple and straightforward. Put money in now, pick a deferral period, let's say 10 years for example, pick your income and your death benefit options that could be single or joint life with or without a death benefit and begin receiving distributions later. You can also buy limited rider options for things like inflation adjustment and return of premium, which increase the overall cost of purchase. Note that with qualifying longevity annuity contracts or with QLACs, there are no variable interest rates, participation rates, floors or ceilings, as you'd see with variable index or buffer annuities. So, what does a QLAC do for you? How does it help you? Well, a qualifying longevity annuity contract lets you shift some of the money in your qualified retirement account into an annuity. Now, why would you want to do this? Well, there are two main reasons. First, you can delay required minimum distributions, those RMDs, on the money in your QLAC. Without a QLAC, you'd be forced to start taking distributions based on the total value of your retirement account at age 72. Remember, formerly under the old law, it was 70 and a half, and then paying income tax on those distributions. Many individuals don't need distributions at that age and don't want to pay tax on that money yet. With a QLAC, you won't have any RMDs on premiums paid until age 85. The second reason, well, in a word, longevity. If you are worried about outliving your funds, a QLAC solves the problem. It provides guaranteed monthly income as long as you live. Plus, you get the amount you were promised at purchase, no matter what's happened to the stock market or interest rates in the interim. You're effectively transferring that risk to the insurance company. Okay, so what changed for 2020? 
Well, the IRS increased the dollar limit on allowable premiums paid as of January 1st, 2020. The IRS increased the lifetime limit from $130,000 to $135,000. The maximum amount you can pay into a QLAC is now the lesser of either $135,000 or 25% of your aggregated traditional IRA account as of the prior December 31st date, minus premiums paid for other qualifying longevity annuity contracts. In some cases, we found that many clients don't necessarily need their RMDs for day-to-day -day use and are more interested in using the funds to leave a financial legacy. We now have insurance-backed products that are designed to not only help you comply with the rules around RMDs, but to also help address the impact of taxes, while also helping you use the RMD to your advantage to leave a financial legacy to your beneficiaries. Our annuity products offer a variety of indexes and crediting methods or index allocations, as well as a fixed interest allocation, offering retirees the potential to continue to grow their financial legacy while helping to address the impact of taxes. In addition to offering a tax-deferred growth opportunity, our annuities protect principal and credited interest which helps ensure your legacy is protected from market downturns. So to recap, plan ahead. It's wise to plan ahead and prepare for RMDs to avoid any last minute mistakes at year end. If you miss the December 31st deadline or fail to withdraw the proper amount, you may have to pay an excise tax to the IRS which could be up to 50% of the amount you didn't take out. So, number one, determine your personal RMD deadline for qualified plans. If married, your spouse should also determine their deadlines. Be sure to include IRAs, Roth IRAs, and qualified plans that you and or your spouse inherited. Number two, estimate the RMD amounts and whether you will use them for retirement income or set them aside for future savings or legacy plans. Third, consider various financial strategies and products for those RMDs you do not need for retirement income such as gifting, savings, non-qualified annuities, or other investing. And then fourth, meet with a financial professional and tax advisor who have knowledge of the RMD rules and additional possibilities for your RMDs. At JenniferLangFinancialServices.com, we know that the RMD and distribution phase of retirement can be complex. We will work with you to find the best insurance-backed product that will not only protect your principal, but provide you guaranteed lifetime income, long-term care benefits, and the ability to leave an inheritance to your heirs. We have a team of great agents that will walk you through the entire process. Our agents have helped hundreds of individuals move their retirement savings into the safety and security of an annuity. Contact us today if you are recently retired or have stopped contributing to your retirement savings account. 
We can show you your options to ensure that your retirement is as hassle-free and predictable as possible. Log on to JenniferLangFinancialServices.com and simply request a free, no-obligation phone consultation. We'll be happy to help you. All right. Well, unfortunately, I'm limited by time, but you'll be able to view articles and learn more about life insurance and retirement planning from my site. We have loads of information and content available for free, which will not only help to increase your knowledge base, but save you a lot of time. You can also watch and listen to more podcast episodes from our homepage. So don't forget to like us and share. So for your next step, contact us and schedule a free consultation. We handle 401k rollovers, Roth IRA conversions, and life insurance planning. Thank everyone for attending and have a great day. Until next time. Have you ever walked into a store and had a salesperson try to sell you something that didn't quite fit? Just because that's what they had in stock. Well, when you buy life insurance directly from an insurance company or from an agent who only represents one company, you can only get what they have to offer. You're buying life insurance right off the rack. Here's a better idea. Contact JenniferLangFinancialServices.com. We're an independent agency and we represent many insurance companies so we can find life insurance that is the right fit for you and at a price that fits you too. Log on to JenniferLangFinancialServices.com. At JenniferLangFinancialServices.com, we find great insurance quotes.